Can you maybe share with someone listening in who feels the nudge to pivot or shift in their career? How did you make that decision? Yeah, it was an easy decision for me because I'm a big believer that your business is not who you are. It is one part of what you do. It's there to help you have the life that you want to have. So if you're in a position where you have a great business, but it's not giving you the life that you want to have, you have no choice but to change it because otherwise you're going to resent your business. And so, yeah, yes, it's a bit like starting again each time. It can feel a bit like starting again. You know, I remember with the passive income side of things, especially people knew me for this one-to-one and they they loved working with me one-to-one, but I didn't want to ever do one-to-one again. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to leverage my time. I want memberships. I want courses. I want all these kinds of things. And so it's scary because it means starting again and putting out a whole new message, but it's really worth it. And even if it takes time, it's worth it. Welcome to the Becoming Iconic Podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in and enjoy. Hey icons, welcome to today's episode with a new friend. We are just meeting now in real time, Lisa Johnson, who is from the UK. And I am so excited to learn through her because not only is she a mom of twins, hey mama, but (laughs) she also has scaled this incredible business teaching entrepreneurs how to build passive income streams. And I want to say last year, correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, but you had a 1.7 million pound launch. Yeah, it was $2 million. (laughs) Unbelievable. Congratulations. (laughs) That's spectacular. So we are definitely going to want to hear that story, but I am just so thrilled to learn through you because one of the things in the coaching industry, myself and people I work with, I know eventually it becomes a point where you just want to build this passive income where you can really show up and provide value and maybe not spend so many hours behind the screen and on the phone. So this is a beautiful conversation. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here too. Yeah, this is good. So I would love just to dive in because I don't know you. So I'd love to learn all about you. How did you get to this place? Maybe a little bit about your past. Yeah, well, there's a lot to it. But basically, (laughs) I grew up in Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom in what you guys would call welfare or projects. So, you know, we I came from poverty and didn't know anybody that had a business or anything like that. So when I kind of left school, I left school at 16 and just got a job as an office junior, you know, anything to bring in the money and just climbed my way up like as I was scrappy. I did anything to be able to like get up there and, and try and climb a corporate ladder. And actually, I ended up climbing a corporate ladder. I, I decided to do a law degree when I was about 28 to 
just better myself and to see if I could do more than just, you know, the office junior admin kind of jobs. So I did it while I was working full time. So every evening I'd go home and get the law degree, like get my books out. And, and it took four years because I was working full time, but I got there. And so then it kind of changed my mindset and beliefs around what I could do. Because up until that point, it was a very, you know, if you look at like the generations in my family, no one really did anything like this. It was very much a case of, you know, you try and get the best job you can, but you're always going to be living hand to mouth you have kids and and that's that and I wanted something different but I didn't know how to get it but that showed me I could and so then I started on this trajectory in the corporate world which was you know I went from being an office junior to being a lawyer to being an investment banker in one of the biggest banks in the UK and I was doing okay and then I got pregnant and it wasn't on the cards, <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of those situations where I got pregnant. I was like, okay, you know, I, I had been married four days. And so I didn't expect you know, <laughs> that to happen so quick. Uh-huh. And so it was like, okay, now what? And then I found out it was twins and there's no twins in my family. So it's like, of course it's twins. <laughs> and so then I had to rewrite my whole story because I went back to work when they were five months old. Mm. and I never saw them I was working in an investment bank I was leaving the house at six o'clock in the morning they weren't even awake then and I was getting home at 10 o'clock at night and they were already in bed at this point I was just going into single parenthood as well because the marriage hadn't survived such a quick you know suddenly having twins and so it was really a tricky time and the only thing I could think of to do was to leave my very nice well-paid job and get a job near my house on you know back back to being a personal assistant and admin assistant for Mm. a fifth of the money but when I was there in the first year at least I was seeing the boys so that was great but in the first year I was getting very bored and I was getting very in debt and so I thought well what else can I do while I'm here because I was spending a lot of time you know not really using my brain very much and thinking well I must be able to do something while I'm sitting here playing on the internet so I'll start a business but I didn't know anything about business. So I just said, well, you know what, I'm just going to do it and learn as I go along. And so I started a wedding planning business. Yeah, which was different, but I wanted something that was going to be, it sounded fun. It sounded, you know, we always think these things are more glamorous than they are. (laughs) And so I started this wedding planning business, but because I didn't know anything about business, at the end of the first year, we worked out that I was making something like £1.15 an hour. Mm. And it was never going to be enough for me to leave this job and spend time with the twins and it was because I didn't really understand the business basics even you know like ideal client and and all the money mindset and strategy and anything I was just doing anything I could and so I got to this point at the end of that first year when it was like well you're now 30,000 pounds in debt and you either have to give up on this and just go back to being an admin person, living hand to mouth, doing the exact same thing that you've seen everybody else do, or you need help. And that will mean getting into more debt because it means you're going to have to get help from a consultant or a a coach in for a penny, in for a pound. Like if you're already 30,000 pounds in debt, what's Mm. (laughs) 35,000? And so I did. I put it on a credit card. I learned everything I could about the basics of business I turned that business around six months later, we were fully booked for like two years with big budget clients, began to pay off my debts. And then a couple of years in, realized that actually, although I loved wedding planning, it didn't 
the business model didn't support the life I wanted. And I think that often happens when you start a business, you fall into it and then you go, hold on. If somebody had asked me what life I wanted, I probably would have said I wanted to travel the world and show my kids that I want to spend lots of time with them. And I've given myself a job where every summer, every weekend I'm working. Right. And so I just decided to, to change things. And people were asking me by this point, how have you made this happen? You know, your business is really successful. How? Like in such a short time. And I found that I had a bit of a gift for explaining complicated business concepts in a really easy to understand step-by-step way. So I started teaching people just that I knew in the wedding industry, all the things I've read and all the things I've done. And they started making more money quite quickly. So then it was about four years ago now, I said, you know what, I'm going to start up my own consulting business, started Lisa Johnson Consulting. And this time just stratospherically, very quickly, you know, I hit six figures in the first six months in profit, 220,000 in the first year. And it was crazy. I was standing on stages all around the world. I was in magazines, but people were saying to me, you know, you're really successful from the outside. You've got everything. Mm -hmm. And inside, I was feeling like the least successful person in the world because I was, again, working from six o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night, not seeing my kids or my now new husband. Mm. And I was fully booked and people were like coming to me saying, I'd like to pay you all this money. I'd put my prices up and I had to say no to so Mm. many people because you only have so much time in the day. And that's when I started working out that I needed a business model that was going to support me long-term. And that's where passive income came in and it changed everything. Like, if we look at year one at the end of my business, 220,000, which is good, but 80 hours a week. At the end of year two, I was working 30 hours a month and making well over a million. And so it changed everything. Oh, you just gave a lot of women a lot of inspiration. That's incredible. Congratulations. And I'd love to dig into a few things that really came to the surface for me as you were speaking. The first thing is, I just want to congratulate you because it is not easy to break generational ties or sort of habitual lifestyles, right? And you made that decision. I'd love just to maybe speak about that quickly. How did you like dive into the deep end, make the choice to be different? Was that always in you or did you just wake up one morning? What happened was when I was, so I was happy enough in my life until I was 11, because when you're a kid, you you don't know you're poor. You just don't know. It's just the same. But when I was 11, I got a scholarship to the most prestigious private boarding school Mm -hmm. in my town And I didn't board, but from day one, I started to get bullied because I was different. They were all being picked up in their Bentleys and I was being picked up on the back of my single father's motorcycle. Like I was very different. I didn't have, I had secondhand clothes. They didn't. I was the one in the lunch line with the ticket to get free lunch. They didn't. And so I was bullied for years because of it. But what that did teach me was that some people had money and some people didn't. And I don't think I even really knew that until that point. I thought everybody was the same. And it just the whole time that I was being bullied, I was thinking one day I won't be this person. One day I will be able to make decisions that mean that I can be like these people here, but nicer. 
(laughs) I'll be a rich person, but I I won't be as mean. And so I think it was that that kind of implanted in me this seed to really want to do more. But actually in my life, things kept going wrong. So I was bullied in that school. I then went, I, I eventually got my father to move me to another school, which was a mixed school. But they saw me as the girl from the posh school. The girl, so I couldn't win, so I was bullied there too, and the bullying got worse and worse, and that's why I left school so early. And you know, I was a, I was a shell. I was a terrified person that couldn't even be in a room with women. I was so scared of people. And my first job, I was, I was attracting it. I was being bullied constantly by women because I was so awkward and aloof by this time. And there came a point where I was mid twenties and just thought, I don't really want to live anymore. I don't really want to do this anymore. It's not been fun since the age of 11, but then a little voice like, and I know it was just me thinking, what if they're all wrong? What if you can become something? What if you're not a loser who will always be poor and never amount to anything and, you know, not intelligent, all of these things I'd heard for so long. And that's why I gave myself the test of doing the law degree. Like if I can do a degree while working full time, then that gives me some proof that if I can do that, which seems like a really hard thing for me at the time, then I can do whatever I want. And it turned my confidence. And now I'm a massive believer that it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters where you go. Mm. And aren't the bullies our greatest teachers in our lives? Oh, yeah. And and also our greatest, uh, they spur us on the most. I'm doing a TEDx talk in October called Using Adversity to Fuel Your Success, because I'm a huge believer that if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am now. Because every time something's been hard in my life, like standing up on a stage for the first time in front of 500 people, I wanted to throw up. Mm-hmm. I would always think to myself, they said you wouldn't be able to do this and that would make me do it. Yeah, I agree. I I say often, let it be the kerosene, not the water on your fire. And a lot of times I, I feel very connected right now because I had a lot of that in my life as well. And it was often that kerosene on my fire that just made me want to do it and prove them wrong. And I'm grateful that I had that in me, that little inner rebellion that wanted to show them. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't know who you're dealing with. But at the same time, there was also that hurt portion of me that needed a lot of nurturing and caring. So I love that example. And thank you for walking us through that. Cause I think it gives a lot of women permission who are maybe feeling right now, like, why me, why would I be successful? It's really about you shifting that confidence and believing in yourself. Because if we look out, we'll be looking forever for that validation. And it's really hard to do that. I think when there's mm-hmm. constant people telling you that, you know, giving you non-validation, you have to work on yourself. Like this is, tra- it's trauma at the end of the day and you have to work on that trauma. And it's only recently that I've even touched the surface of working on mine. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And there was another piece too, that really resonated with me is that you pivot, you know, when you're, you're having this success and in the wedding business, the planning business, you were having success, you were growing that people were coming to you and asking you for advice, but you aren't afraid to pivot. And I love that. I think that's the truest of entrepreneurship is, you know, being open to being a professional pivoter, because that's what we do. And so can you maybe share with someone listening in who feels the nudge to pivot or shift in their career? How did you make that decision? Yeah, it was an easy decision for me because I'm a big believer that your business 
is not who you are. It is one part of what you do. It's there to help you have the life that you want to have. So if you're in a position where you have a great business, but it's not giving you the life that you want to have, you have no choice but to change it because otherwise you're going to resent your business. And so, yeah, yes, it's a bit like starting again each time. It can feel a bit like starting again. You know, I remember with the passive income side of things, especially people knew me for this one-to-one and they they loved working with me one-to-one, but I didn't want to ever do one-to-one again. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to leverage my time. I want memberships. I want courses. I want all these kind of things. And so it's scary because it means starting again and putting out a whole new message, but it's really worth it. And even if it takes time, it's worth it. I know I had, I was on this coaching program and somebody spoke up and my coach asked me to help facilitate the conversation. And she said the exact same thing. I just can't imagine going back to ground zero. And what came to me was the sort of the idea of a mountain climber and how they want to go to the summit, but sometimes they have to go all the way back down to replan their route to finally get to the summit. And when you go back to ground zero, if we want to call it that you are more skilled you have more experience, you are different. So when you climb back up, you probably have a more expedited journey and you are more skilled. So things come forward a little more quickly, I suppose. So would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. But also people always say the words, you know, like, oh, but it's going to take so much time. Mm. Time's going to go anyway. Right. You may as well be doing something with it. <laughs> like time's going to go. Amen. So, <laughs> so I've always kind of just thought if I need to start from the beginning and, and that actually takes away a lot of the fear because a lot of the fear when you are your own boss is that it could all stop at any second you know like let's say that happened you just start again uh, if it, realistically you would just start again and if you don't fear that starting again then you never really worry about the risks and one of the biggest things as an entrepreneur that makes people successful is taking risks What if I told you that in just six weeks, you could completely transform your life and business? What if I told you in six weeks, you would be so liberated, aware, and elevated that the amount of miracles pouring into your business and life would be unstoppable? That is what I'm giving and promising through Soulful Sales. Soulful Sales is the first opportunity I have seen in the marketplace that creates a true transformation of the abundance in your business. You see, I could teach you funnels and sales tactics and marketing strategies, and those things have their place and importance. But if it's not matched with alignment and purpose and mission, there will always be a disconnect in your business. This six-week program walks you through facilitated trainings on things like how to truly be yourself. I mean, be yourself confidently. Energy and consciousness, timelines and goals with complete surrender, cultivating an experience for the clients you have, and tying that all together with how to now stand out and proclaim this into the world through communicating well in your messaging. After these trainings, they're matched with group coaching every single week where you get to come into this intimate setting, ask questions, gain clarity, dive deeper, get some coaching with me so that you are truly being transformed week after week after week. And see the difference and the intention around this soulful sales and this experience is truly that. I wanted to create an experience. So not only were you learning, 
but you were actually living this at the same time. So after the six weeks, you felt completely different, ready to show up differently and welcome in all the miracles that are coming and flowing and ready for you. If this sounds like something that is resonating, if your body is saying, yes, Jen, yes, I know this is the piece that I really want to lean into, the link is down in the show notes. You can go to jenspiegel.com or hit me over on Instagram, whatever suits you. But I am personally inviting you the leader who wants to be more aware and elevated and conscious, the leader who wants to have people feel seen and heard and understood and served, that they are so attracted to you, they can't take their eyes off of you and they want to be your clients for life. I'm inviting you in, Soulful Sales, my friend. This is one experience that I have never seen and I am so excited to give. So questions coming up to the surface for me and I think because your story feels familiar, I wonder, and I'd love your opinion on this, when you have had a life of quote unquote, maybe more hurdles, obstacles, comebacks, do you feel that in the entrepreneurial experience, you end up being a little bit more flexible and fluid because you realize I've been set back before and I've come back, I can do it again? Yeah. And actually what I've seen is that people who have had no adversity, and there aren't many of them, but people that have, when they come upon an obstacle in business at the first hurdle, they're like, oh, well, I tried it. It hasn't worked. And they give up. But people that have been through stuff, we don't do that. We see an obstacle and we go, well, how do you go under it? How do you go around it? How do you go over it? Because we've had to do that our entire lives. And so it doesn't really seem like an obstacle. It just seems like, oh, another thing that we have to find a way around. And I think that's why people keep going. I also think people that have been through adversity don't fear failure as much. And you can't fear failure because you know, we learn every single time we fail and it's what makes us who we are. So if we don't fear failure, it's always a good thing. Yeah. There's a sense of resilience I see in a woman who has had a story, this resilience. And what you say, this, it's like a posture, not afraid of that failure, not afraid of getting their knees and their elbows dirty. You know, they're, they're ready. They're gritty. And that I like that it's attractive to me. Okay, so let's maybe pivot this conversation into memberships because I'm sure people are listening to you going, yes, this is me. I, I really crave that sense of freedom in, in my life where I design my days and I'm still making a great income and fulfilling all those dreams and desires. How would someone know they're ready to start something like a membership? Yeah, so I think memberships work really well when you are doing either one-to-one in your business successfully or even like group programs or courses or anything like that, but that there are people that want to work with you and love love everything about you, but can't afford you, can't afford any of the things that you put out there, or people that need continuous support. And that's where memberships can work really well. The biggest thing that I see where memberships don't work well is when people don't have an audience. It's imperative that you grow an audience first. And I I have a system that I use called the cash system. And and one of the first things in there is grow an audience. And there are a lot of people out there telling you you don't need an audience to have courses or a membership. And it's simply a lie. Like you do need that. And it's worth it. Yes, it's going to take you time, but you don't want a get rich quick scheme. You want a long term sustainable business model and a membership. I've had mine for three and a half years. It makes me up to half a million a year and I'm in there one to two hours a week. You know, it's a great business model and it's 
inclusive. It's a great business model because it means that even if you have high ticket items out there or things that are out of the reach of some people, you have a way to work with you that you can help people who want to work with you for a low cost. And I think that's really important. Mm. Thank you for saying that about the audience, because I really believe that as well. I think a lot of people fall in love with the idea of a membership and do start it maybe a little bit too prematurely and don't take the time to cultivate a community outside of that first, because then it's, I think, and you, you're the expert, I would think that bringing people over into a membership program would be sort of a, a quote unquote easier. Absolutely. You're you're absolutely, you're a hundred percent right. Like grow an audience somewhere else, whether it's on an email list, whether it's in another Facebook group, a free Facebook group, wherever you want to have your audience, nurture that audience. And only then should you be starting something. And if people often say to me, well, should I do a course first or a membership? Or I mean, do a course first because you need less people. You know, when people are trying to make money, do the thing where you need the least amount of people while you're growing your audience. And then when your audience is big enough, that's when you go on to doing membership. Beautiful. Okay. Do you house your memberships on Facebook? My community is on Facebook, but the back end of it is in Kartra. We used to have it in member space and now we have it in Kartra. Okay. Because I know that's been a, a question that has arose, you know, even in my experience and with the different masterminds I'm in, because I would imagine you wouldn't want to build something on Facebook with the potential of something maybe, you know, shutting down or whatever it may be. I think you should never do anything just on Facebook. And that includes like in my first year or so, all I did was build my audience on Facebook. Like I didn't have a website. I didn't even have a Facebook page. I didn't have a list or anything like that. I just built on a Facebook group. And that's how I made my first 220,000. And that's great. But I then learned about email lists. And, you know, the trajectory of my business has grown as much as my email list has. Mm. And I think that it's much more important to have an email list. And I wish I had started earlier. So yeah, and I think there's safety in you own those email addresses, you don't own Facebook. That's right. That's right. Now, does someone need to have a focus or an ideal client, a focus of what they want to teach and train to build a membership? I think more than that, they need to know what they want to support people with. Mm. So for instance, when you are doing one-to-one or when you're doing group programs, it's really important. We know it's important to niche. You know, the more niche you are, the better. And we've always known that. So for instance, I help people with passive income, like that's my niche. However, when it comes to memberships, it can be much, much broader. So I help all women in business in my membership, people who are just starting out right through to multi-seven-figure businesses, because we can all learn different things from each other. And a membership to me, and there are people that don't have this view, but to me, a membership isn't a good thing if you're trying to get someone from A to B. I think a course is much better for that. A membership for me is people that need support all the way through, like continuous support, whether that's with mindset strategy, new things that are coming out. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be a business thing. So quite a lot of my clients, I have about 2000 clients at any one time doing courses and memberships. And a lot of those people putting out memberships put out things that are nothing to do with business. You know, I have somebody that has like a Caribbean cooking membership, someone that has a theatre membership, but that theatre membership made 600,000 in 2019. You know, you can have it on potty training. You can have it on parenting, on assertiveness. I think it's much better for people to think much more laterally about the things they know rather than, well, I am a 
confidence coach. Therefore, I have to have one on confidence. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm. So what I'm sensing is you niche in on your courses, the way you're showing up in terms of facilitating coaching or mentorship, and then the membership itself, you can really just build this beautiful community that supports each other, that has collaboration. And that's really just this piece of accountability and belonging. Because I know in entrepreneurship, there are times, especially as you scale to the six, seven figures, there is this feeling of where's my peers? <laughs> yeah, where is everyone? <laughs> right, where is everyone? <laughs> yeah. And I know how important that is because being a lonely entrepreneur is not fun, even if you're living in your purpose. Being an entrepreneur that feels supported and loved on and has a safe place to land really just accentuates everything, I would imagine. Yeah, and especially in the last couple of years because of lockdown and not being able to actually see people, it's become even more important. But, you know, people people come into memberships only for the community. There's always other things that they can do. You can give trainings, you can give all of these things. If the community isn't right for them, they won't stay. So that's the bit that you need to get right. You need to make sure that the right people are in there. So my community is not based on how much money someone earns or what kind of job they do. Mine is based on integrity. Like if people have the same values, then I want them in there. Yes. Oh, this is so good. I just wrote a post about this this morning that really it is about service and heart-centered leadership. And then the scalability of a business and the profits and so on will follow. And that is to me, integrity. It just is. When we lead with this idea of greed or, or need, the actual word need, I need success. It really fosters this I don't know. It's, it repels me. I don't, I don't want to be around it. I think that's really true. And I think that integrity, people have thought that it's an and or situation. I think for a long time in the online business world, people have thought you will either get rich or have integrity. And that, you know, the get rich is doing all of the things that we see that aren't nice, you know, the icky selling, the run to the back of the room mentality and the ruthlessness of, of not true community over collaboration but actually I really wanted to show that you can have mass integrity and make a lot of money and that's why this you know you were talking about my two million dollar launch when that happened it was my very first affiliate launch I'd never done an affiliate launch before and so I said if we're going to do this we need to make sure all our affiliates are aware of the integrity level we have because if somebody else is selling for you they need to have the same values as you and so we chose based on integrity and we said to them you are not allowed to sell to anybody that says they're going to put it on a credit card that says they're going to get into debt like we decided to go right the other way Mm. and say you know make a real big thing of this might not be right for you and turning people away that we don't think will get the result right now and telling people who do exactly the same thing as us but might be a tiny bit different telling people to go to them instead of us if we think it's the right thing to do we did that very openly and did a two million dollar launch and I hope that that's proved to people watching you can have integrity and make a ton of money. Oh, that's so good because (laughs) I had an experience with another coach in 2020 who really turned me away from memberships because she said, all I do is chase people for their payments. It is just the worst experience. Don't ever do it. And it really jaded my opinion of memberships because I thought, I, first of all, don't want to chase anybody for anything. I'm not a chaser. 
And I wondered if there's actually something that's sustainable about a membership. And you just called it out and said, if this is not something you can pay for with cash and it doesn't feel abundant, then this is not the right place for you. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for standing up in that kind of integrity. That means a lot to me. We actually had a company that does kind of like, I think they're quite big in the industry that does like chasing of debt for people. Mm -hmm. And they called me and said, we've heard that you've got this like huge launch and you're now making 3 million a year. And we didn't know you four years ago because we didn't exist in this world four years ago, but we think that you'll need our help. And I said, okay, what with? And they said for chasing payments, like when you have courses where you're getting people to pay over 12 months, like we do, even though the course finishes at six months, or when you have a membership, about 20 to 25%, you're going to be like not getting paid for, you're going to lose money, you're going to be needing to chase money and take people to court. I said, I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen. And he said, well, go and have a look and see what's happened in the last year and give us your figures. We didn't have any. Mm. We had like three, like in in over 4,000 people. We just don't have it. And it's because if you show up in integrity, you attract that. So you're not going to get people like that. Whereas if you're one of those coaches that are sell, 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 and it's all about you and it's all about money, you're going to attract exactly that in. And then you can expect that you will lose money. Yes. I feel like weeping right now because I crave this in the coaching industry. I crave it. I crave it as a coach. I crave it as someone who still hires coaches and mentors. And it feels rare right now. I believe it. I believe you, people like myself, we're changing this and bringing it back to the way, I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to use it the way it should be. No, it is the way it it is. It's the way it's meant to be. It's, it's service. And to be a coach, a teacher, a facilitator means that you have a calling on your heart to serve and lead and support. And if that's not feeling good at its core, it's probably not the right choice. I think that's it. And I think there's so many things that in the coaching industry, certainly in the first year that I saw, and you know, I hired coaches that I felt very conned by. I saw a lot and nearly decided to quit because I felt so not aligned with the coaching industry that I thought I can't be in. It's like being a you know, bank robber that doesn't believe in in theft. It doesn't make any sense. Like I'm in this industry and I don't believe in it. I don't believe in the things that people are doing. But then somebody said to me, if you don't believe in it, you've got to be the change maker. You can't be the one that runs away. Otherwise it just stays there. You've got to be the one that goes in and shows that it can be done differently. And so I think that's my purpose. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. On behalf of the whole industry. Thank you for that. It, (laughs) It means a lot to me. It really does. So how, then would you market your membership? Are you doing that every single month on your social media or is it something that just markets itself at this point? So I do a few things. So I only open that membership maybe four times a year for a week. Now I have a cutoff. This is again, part of the integrity thing. I don't, for ages, I had no more than 500. I said, I don't want any more than 500 people in there because I don't want to be one of these memberships where there's 6,000 people in there and no one knows anyone's name. You know, it's just a, a money-making machine. I want to know who they are and I want to know what they do. And then we we raised it a little bit to 1,000 and said so we cut off that. And the good thing about having a cutoff, it means you never need to launch because if you have a wait list, People will join that wait list just from posts you put on and that kind of thing throughout the year. And then all you need to do is open it like back door to get people in when people leave. So it's always up to a certain level. So that's what we generally do. But we did just decide to do a, we, we lost a lot of people 
over COVID, you know how you do like normal churn and we didn't let anybody else in. So we just decided to do a launch last week and open it. And we did a one day summit and we got 180 something members in. So it's back up to where we would like it to be. But I think if you can get a funnel going and I have a funnel out there that is just, you know, a a freebie that people want or a quiz or something like that Mm -hmm. with a really great nurture sequence that you mention a wait list on it, then we mentioned four different wait lists because we have four different products, the membership being one, then it's much better because then what happens is when you're ready to open anything, you already have a wait list of those people ready to go into it. And we've just done, I wish I'd done this earlier, about six months ago, we decided to put a tripwire, like a low cost offer on the thank you page of our freebie of our funnel. And it's only like £49 or something like that. But it now pays for our entire ad spend. And I didn't use ads at all up to seven figures. I dabbled with it in the first year, did lots of mistakes, felt like it doesn't work. So stopped using it, did it organically up to seven figures. But it's expensive, you know, like monthly, it's at a high cost. But then putting this tripwire in has now paid for every single ad that we do. So I feel like it's, it's a nice working engine now. Mm, smart, smart woman. Oh, this is so wonderful. And I love too that you cap it. I actually, be honest with you, have never really considered that because it has always been taught that you just filter as many people in as you can. But then you're right. The community gets so diluted at a certain point, the whole energy, the the experience would change because it's just hard it to- does. Yeah. Also think about it. The reason that people tell you not to cap it, where's that coming from? It's coming from your won't make as much money. If we stop thinking of it like that, you'll make more money anyway. Right. Because you're coming at it from a client perspective rather than from a marketer's perspective. This was such a divine conversation for me today because I'm immersed in this learning and this expansion right now of really holding myself accountable to these things. And I, I feel like I have, but I know there's always room for improvement. And so to have you speak like this today was completely unexpected. I have to be honest. I, I am so thrilled because this feels for me as someone who really values the community that listens into this podcast, this is exactly the kind of conversation and leadership that I love representing and being a part of. And I have to tell you, Lisa, this means a lot to me because I think we need to be a little louder in this message, which can sometimes feel because I, 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 this is my belief may not be right or true, but often servant leaderships tend to be a little quieter because of our approach to things than someone who I call them hunters. We're the fishermen that are in the boat quietly just casting and fishing and taking our time. And then there's the hunters who could be really loud. But I think there's a level of accountability I feel today for us to use our voices a little bit more amplified to share, share this message. And I'm kind of known for that. And it does, it means that you repel quite a lot of people, especially peers because I will stand up on the internet and I will call out the BS in this industry. And that can mean it's, it's, it's lonely, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't like that. But the people that do like it, the clients. <laughs> and that's what really matters to me. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And they're the ones that need this voice. It's not yeah. our peers, because to me, that person's business is their business. But where I feel very accountable and led is 
the people who are craving our expertise and the proximity to us so that they can grow and, and build these beautiful lives and dreams and businesses for themselves and be home with their babies yeah. and travel the world. And oh, it's, because it's possible. We're evidence of this. We've done this with our babies. And so it's such a calling, such a tug on my heart. And Lisa, I'm just so grateful for our new friendship because I feel that this is the start of something. Amazing. Yeah. Where can people <laughs> find you? Oh, a few places. Instagram, if you don't mind it being very uncurated and just seeing me being an idiot on stories, at Lisa Johnson, strate- I think it's at Lisa Johnson Strategist now. And we've just changed it and taken the word coaching out. So I'm on there. I'm also, I have a Facebook group called The Fabulous 5%. So you can find me in there as well. Okay, we will make sure that's in the show notes too so people can click and come over and find you. So I end my podcast with a question that feels always so good and delicious. And so I can't wait for your answer. How are you going to be iconic today? I am going to show the entire industry that we can change it from the inside out. Yes, yes. I'm cheering you on. I am fangirling. (laughs) Yes, please. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we will. We will. And I see this shift and I feel called for the shift. So I am, I'm in the deep end with you and I appreciate your time. This has been very full. Well, it's been full of tactical advice for people who want to build passive income, but also very heart centered led conversation, which I crave and enjoy so much. So thank you again for your time. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together, they all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there and make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know, I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you. And I just want you to make it a great day.